Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about how this weather has been battering small local businesses, yet another hit to our area's office building real estate, and the possible political act of arson against Commissioner Renee Gonzalez. Joining me for this week's News Roundup are Portland Mercury Arts and Culture Editor Suzette Smith and our very own executive producer, John Atariani. It's Friday, January 19th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Welcome, everyone, to the Friday News Roundup. Suzette, John, thanks for being here. Hey. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, today is the day we break down some of the biggest local stories of the week with some of the best and brightest journalists in town. But before we jump in, I'd like to get us started with an opening question for our guests. So we tape these the day before, and I'm supposed to, tonight, host... Uh, author Sarah Lohman over at Powell Books. Mm-hmm. On Thursday night. Yeah, on yeah. Thursday night. And I've been reading her book, and it's all that I've been really thinking about for the past few weeks. So Sarah is a food historian, author, and now a co-host for CityCast Las Vegas, where she lives. And her most recent book, Endangered Eating, America's Vanishing Foods, documents a few foods and food practices uh, facing extinction here in the United States. And it's a great read and highly recommended if you're into like history and biodiversity and just food, you know. But it got me thinking, if we were to create a catalog of Portland foods that we would want to make sure we preserved for eternity, what would be on the list? Immediately what came to my mind are the Hungry Tiger, House Battered, and Fried Vegan Hot Dogs. Right, mm. Suzette, I see mm-hmm. you yeah. nodding, right? I'm not even vegan, but those are like my favorite corn dogs of all time. The batter is so good. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to realize they were homemade. Because I would buy vegan hot dogs. I'm like, but these aren't as good. Why? Why not so good? And I was like, oh, because these they make these in-house. And like, who's going to do that? Yeah, You know what I yeah. mean? That's a Portland thing. Mm-hmm. I think it is definitely a Portland thing that there is a, a tiered hierarchy of, of corn dog. That there's like <laughs> high, mid, and low corn dog takes. And the, the people who are in the know know where the good corn dogs are. So I guess like in my mind, when I think about like Portland foods, this isn't necessarily in the category, but... Uh, but probably Moonbrine Pickles, um, Mm. which is a a local pickle maker. It used to be like downtown, all the picklebacks you would get at like bars were like Moonbrine Pickle Juice. In a way, we should enshrine picklebacks, right? But I think that that's from some other city. Um, But yeah, I do feel like he's been around for, for quite a while, at least a decade, and his pickles are just basically my favorite. I feel like pickled food is is very Portland. I know what you're, I feel like picklebacks are from the Midwest. That's what I think. I'm making this up. John, you would know. You guys would know. You're both from the Midwest. You should know this. I mean, there was Boy. definitely a strong pickleback culture in Michigan and yeah. a company that was known for like selling its own pickle brine. But like, yeah, 
Portland can claim pickles as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a good pickle town for sure. Mm -hmm. I had never had a pickleback until I moved here. I mean, our, our, you know, wooden bat league called the pickles. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's a, That's got to say something, you know? I always get completely trashed on picklebacks at pickles games i've i don't remember the end of any a pickles game (laughs) baseball happens there was some baseball (laughs) what about you john oh so i I keep trying to think of something else other than this one because this is so clearly like by definition not a like portland original thing but you know when your brain like latches onto one thing and it can't stop thinking about it uh, it's the hot yai fried chicken uh, combo, the like chicken and roti and like the sauce that you get with that. Like my brain immediately went to what is like the one food that I would want to eat forever and that I would come back to and eat first thing if I like moved away and came back to Portland. Mm-hmm. And it's that fried chicken, man. There's a certain crunchiness to Portland that allowed it to end to embrace just chicken and rice or like just protein and rice, because I think other cities wouldn't be able to do that. But like, you know, we have Nong's Common Guy, we have Hot Yai. Mm-hmm. It's brought us some great dishes that are pretty simply made, but also like complex when you really get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We are kind of a chicken town when you think about it. It's not like there's like a like standout beef, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys think about what's the Portland food? Probably at least once a week. It's your Roman Empire. Like it's my Roman Empire, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> and I, I work for a company that runs Burger Week. And so like, yeah, I am biased towards burgers, but boy, Portlanders love burgers so much. I mean, we know, we always say it. I feel like we got to say it. We also love tater tots. Yeah. 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 That was like yeah. the low, the low hanging fruit. I was just proud of ourselves that none of us said tachos because I was like, one of us is going to have to say tachos. Tachos? Where do you even get tachos these days? I know. I feel like it's going by, but see, this is why we need to put Hungry it in. Hungry Tiger has a good tacho, don't they? They do. They do. And it's vegan. Yeah. I feel like this is the stuff we need to put in the catalog, you know, of yeah. Portland foods, because the one that is the most in danger could be the tacho is what I'm saying. Well, if, if generations pass, forget about the tacho. Hopefully they'll find this podcast and uh, <laughs> then they'll know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you guys, thank you so much. I appreciate all of the entries. I'm going to make sure they get in there. <laughs> all right, guys, on to the news of the week. Suzette, you're bringing us a new story that you worked on that's getting published today, right? Yeah. So by the time uh, people are hearing this, it'll probably, it'll definitely be out. Um, So the title of the piece is Extreme Weather Events That Are a Threat to Small Businesses Like Your Favorite Food Cart. Uh, We ended up talking to Kim Jong-Grillen's Hamui Hong uh, about, you know, tips he shared to help readers support the, the small businesses' food carts that they really love that maybe they didn't realize that like this could be a business ender for a small business. And, and especially like at this time of year, which is so hard on small businesses because there's just not a lot of foot traffic, not a lot of money. It's after the holidays. So, you know, the ice storm at this time, I do not consider it to be over because I'm like walking around thinking I'm going to starfish out into traffic every other moment. But like, uh, when I was trying to kind of look back on what maybe was affected, certainly, you know, we had a ton of trees down. We had like a, a record number of people that were being sheltered by uh, Multnomah County's severe weather shelters. And I felt like what was getting kind of overlooked perhaps was the fact that, you know, like the struggles of the winter weather fall somewhat unequally on 
basically everybody in the city. You have people who are annoyed that they're stuck in their house all day. And you have people who are annoyed that their kids can't go to school. And, uh, and then, you know, you also have people who like small businesses. Um, I saw this Instagram post from Kim John Grillen's owner, and he was saying, this could be kind of like the KO punch to a small business, to, exactly. to a food cart, to, and I mean, he was talking about food carts. He was talking about small restaurants, you know, owned by one person. But I also saw it as like, you know, this could be like movie theaters. This could be comic book shops. Mm-hmm. Granted, you know, like carts and restaurants find themselves in a particularly perilous position because they have to buy a ton of product. And so when you have an unexpected weather event, they've already spent a ton of food and especially something like Kim Jong Grillin, which is like buying meat, which is so expensive. And uh, as he was talking to me about it, um, the idea that your, your cart froze, you can't sell product, you know, you're, you're hoping that your pipes are going to thaw without having a crack that's going to leave you in debt for the next six months and how that can just really build up on a small business. Mm-hmm. And then it, what was interesting throughout the course of the conversation is that I, I learned that he's about to open a restaurant in Happy Valley. Well, that's good. Hmm. Brick and mortar. Yeah. 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 Brick and mortar restaurant. And that's going to be open by the end of the month. And so it's interesting to see that um, Han is also kind of just going the route of going indoors. Like mm-hmm. Portland used to have these temperate winters and, and it really doesn't anymore. Like if there's an extreme snow event, it seems like every year and, and extreme heat in the summer as well. And I wonder if like, you know, that's just like an issue with the food cart industry that we're not really considering is that um, it's just not as pleasant outside anymore. You know, we've been hearing about weather affecting uh these food carts for a while now. I think it started during the heat waves at first, you know, but not just the weather, but also new regulations from the city, just a bunch of stuff. And it's kind of sad because food carts are so, they're just like the blood of, of, of our food scene. I mean, it's what, yeah, it's where we bring a lot of like new ideas and, and new brick and mortars as well. So it's just, it's sad to see, you know, any of our food carts struggling. Yeah. When I was talking to, uh, Han about it, he was like, if you try to anticipate everything that can go wrong with a food cart, you end up building a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty funny. But uh, <laughs> They're just starting off as a food cart. And like three weeks later, you're like, and it's a restaurant. And a dining room and a storage room. And <laughs> now we got a heater and an AC. That's so funny. Sorry. <laughs> go on. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when we think about food carts, the idea is you could have like an idea that is maybe untested. Ideally, it's not a lot of overhead, but it also, you know, it's still a small business. Uh, I think he described it as when you're living paycheck to paycheck, but just the money's a little different. And so, yeah, you have like a situation like this and people have already, you know, paid for product, paid for their building and whoops, no money coming in today. Yeah, you know, um, it was something that we got emails from, from small businesses, basically asking us here at CityCast Portland, hey, um, I know you have to report that the news, you know, about how cold and freezing and like whatever it is, but like a lot of people don't get this. Just because someone has a business doesn't mean that they're flush with cash. It's a lot of them. I've said it, I've said it before, it's day to day. And I know this because my mom had a small business and it was just me and her working. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if, if she had to be forced to, to close for three or four days, we were fucked <laughs> for rent that month, you know? And yeah. so we did do a shout out like, hey man, like we know everything's frozen, but if you if they're open and you can walk there, 
they would love the support. And we actually got pushback from a, a commenter leaving a, first an aggressive comment like, nobody wants you to be there. <laughs> you know, just like basically like go home capitalism. Um, and I get it. I understand because these are a lot of people who are service workers who feel like they're being forced to kind of scary conditions to go open up a shop that isn't theirs. Yeah, and they don't yeah. see that struggle. And I get it. And I feel like, yeah, there's just so many different tiers of business. And whenever we're like, hey, support your business, we're not saying Applebee's. <laughs> we're not saying, you know what I mean? We're not saying like the ones that like, we're just like, they're going to be okay for three days. We're saying like, yeah, you know, that one shop that just opened last month. Yeah, they're screwed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Make sure that they're okay. Because, I mean, I that one day that we totally, everything was frozen over, there were still a few businesses. I mean, the, you know, Non and Curry, which is just a family shop on Lombard, was still open. And they were just staring outside, just hoping, the entire family, just waiting for someone to come in. It's It's also just gnarly, like thinking about this hitting, you know, the second week of January, you know, when all of these restaurants are already sort of hitting a slump. Um, did you guys see this this post from Gabriel Rucker at Le Pigeon? Even before this storm hit, he um, put out this post uh, that was, for me, pinging all over Instagram, just sort of talking about how all sorts of restaurants are slowing down and how all sorts of like food and beverage businesses are, you know, having a really hard time. Yeah, what was interesting to me about like the suggestions that Han gave in, in his post was that, you know, it, it, it's actionable, it gives people something to do, Portlanders love to help. And although like, you know, after December, we all might have kind of uh, donation fatigue of some kind after being hammered by nonprofits so steadily for the last two weeks of the year. I do think that, you know, something that hadn't occurred to me before was the idea that if you buy gift certificates, if you buy gift cards, you're kind of giving a micro loan that they can pay back in product. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah. yeah. So if, you know, if it's, I think Han was talking about like um, places that you love, basically. Leave a good review, especially like if you can remember why you fell in love with the place in the first place, like leave a review that people can use, you know. Um, and then, yeah, gift cards, sure, if you have the means. And then his main thing was like a word of encouragement, which is certainly like results will vary. Uh, there will probably be some people who don't give a, a rip about how much you like, you know, whatever they make. But he seems to feel that a lot of people like a, a kind word would go a long way for this discouraging time of year. Well, thank you so much for... Uh sharing your story before it's published. Yeah. I really appreciate that. It's really cool. I'm glad that somebody's out there talking to these smaller businesses and, and you know, checking the temp on uh, how they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more news of the week. All right, John, what's your story this week? Yeah, this comes from Andrew Jankowski over at Willamette Week, and it's about the Tree Farm building, which you might not know it by name, but you've definitely seen it. It's that giant blue building that's next to the Morrison Bridge and has like just a ton of potted plants stuck on the outside of it, uh, sort of on the east side. And, and all those plants are actually real plants, by the way. They're real strawberry trees. Well, it just announced that this building is going up for auction. Uh, February 5th, starting bid, uh, $1,900,000. And the problem is that it's 
just below 40% leased. Mm -hmm. And and the developer, this guy Kevin Kavanaugh, um, who's a really interesting developer, basically said he got this building started like right before the pandemic. He opened it. Um, he just hasn't been able to get people in there. and It's an office it's, building, right? It's an office building. Yeah. And now it's going yeah. up for auction. Wow. So I love that building. I know exactly what you're talking about. Every time I drive by it, I think about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which yeah. I was weirdly obsessed when I was a little kid. Uh, <laughs> I do wonder if the trees are happy, though, and what the plan is when they're full grown, because those strawberry trees can grow anywhere from like 8 to 18 feet uh, tall and just as wide if they're not trimmed. So I oh, always really? think that. I'm always just like, what's going to happen? Uh, but yeah, Kevin Kavanaugh is one of the very few private developers actually making affordable housing. Uh, he's also, like you said, he just seems like a really cool dude. I remember during the pandemic, I don't know if you guys remember this because it was reported widely that he... At that point in the pandemic, he owned the zipper. He doesn't anymore um, on Northeast Sandy. And he wasn't charging any of the businesses rent, which mm -hmm. is crazy because he's really about community and like basically like I build these shells, but then the people come in and they make the life inside. And I want to make sure that, you know, that continues. And I just think that's a really cool way of seeing things. He's a he's quite a character. He actually I think he and his employees make the same wage. Yeah, mm. I heard about that. Yeah, he only. I think he has like five other five employees, and they all just make the same wage. Yeah, mm -hmm. Guerrilla Developers. I think that's his company. Yeah, Guerrilla Development. Um, yeah, I feel like it dovetails into so many things. Like speaking about the food scene, like he's done a lot of development of like a lot of places where there are food carts now. A lot of places that house like really interesting new restaurants. You know, um, Claudio. Something I noticed when I was researching this story, he developed that little pavilion where the garrison is and where like pastaficio oh, dioro yeah 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 that was him too shut up okay so which like we've we've talked about on the show is like oh we love this place yeah i also want to say he built that uh i think it's called the i don't know it's like the dumbbell it's like those two white buildings off of burnside the fair-haired dumbbell, the fair yeah. dumbbell they're like weirdly shaped buildings with a bunch of colorful squigglies on them People either love it or hate it. I think it's pretty cool because it's just like, who built this? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but he but he successfully sold that one. Yeah, successfully though. He didn't sell it until 2022 and like he sold it to a lawyer. I mean, I don't like the fair-haired dumbbell because it's always empty. And I wonder if that's the same problem with this building. Uh, they're goofy buildings that are so uh, twee, but like, can people use them? Like, I think the Fairhead Dumbbell, I walk by there all the time because it's right up by the Burnside Bridge. And uh, I can't tell you just like how empty that building is and there's just nothing going on. And it makes me angry because I would love to have something there that I could actually use. I think there's like a furniture store and a coffee house where every time the person takes a break seems to be when I want to get coffee. Um, <laughs> service workers, I love you. You're the best. Don't come after oh, me. I love Suzette. Cranky is cranky. She hates a whimsical building. I do want to say though, um, what you're what you're talking about is office buildings. Office buildings are are on the way out. And so yeah, I think he created a bunch of office buildings before the pandemic, and of course they didn't pan out because nobody needed nobody needs them now. But yeah, I agree. Whenever I see an empty office building, it does make me very mad. You must know about this building because you drive. I don't drive, and mm. I didn't know about this building. Oh, the tree one. Yeah. That building is not recognizable to me at a floor level because I'm also often walking around that area because I'm a huge Sheridan's fan and it's right over there. Mm -hmm. um, but like, interesting. Yeah, it's 
it's not interesting on the ground level, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think the plants are above the street level. It's really just for cars and it's an office building. And I, you're like, man, this building's trapped in the past. Definitely. Well, the past being three years ago. Yeah. But I do also just want to say he does, he has uh, affordable housing that he's created that's pretty cool. There's this one project that I'm looking forward to seeing if it does pan out, which is the Atomic Orchard Experiment. Um, and it's mixed-use affordable housing with some units reserved specifically for social workers. It's going up on Sandy. And it's already getting built, but I think that's it's such an interesting idea. I, I also wonder if there is like a story here about like, you know, we did have this like 15 year run of just like wild development in Portland, yeah. you know, that there were so many buildings that were coming online. Like take your pick. First division like went from being a sort of normal street to like having, you know, high rise apartments on either side. And then the last couple of years, Williams has sort of been on that. And it sort of feels like for a lot of reasons, you know, um, the price of real estate has gone up because so much development has happened and just like what's going on for just um, financing these sorts of things. They're just not coming online in the same way that they used to. And I'm, I kind of wonder if like the fair haired dumbbells and the tree farms of the world are going to be this very like moment in time. Like, remember that 10 year period yeah, where Portland yeah. made a couple like weird, wacky buildings and like that never happened before or since I like kind of feel like this is falling into like a time capsule uh, world as opposed to something that's going to keep happening again in the future. I mean, the zipper is a delight. It's basically all patio. Yeah, but I think that the zippers are a really different type of development than these. You know, that was his development. You know, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. What I'm like, saying is, he could do both. You know, he can make whimsical <laughs> things as long as they're useful to people. Is how I oh, feel about sure. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the only thing that I'd add to this is in in Andrew's article, there are some really cute quotes from Kavanaugh about the building. He says, quote, it's like when you're moving and you need to rehome a pet. I just want them to go to a good home. <laughs> Which like, even if that is sort of like public facing speech, I just think that that's a really cute idea that he's just sort of like, I want my building just to have like a nice owner and like live in a nice neighborhood. Yeah. But I, I wondered what was going on with that building. It's, it's sad to know that like nothing really um, and I agree with Suzette that it's it's it is frustrating to see these like kind of loud buildings not have anything in them. It's really really frustrating. Um, John, thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, I wanted to talk about the alleged arson that Commissioner and Mayoral Candidate Renee Gonzalez experienced last week. You guys hear about it? Oh yes, that was big news. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I feel like it's big news to us and maybe people who pay attention. But I feel like a lot of people are just like, "What?" Like I was talking to someone, they're like, "I'm sorry, what happened now?" I'm like, "Yeah, has yeah. is it not?" I feel like this is a big deal. So if you haven't heard about this, investigators believe that a 2024 Honda Accord belonging to the Gonzalez family was intentionally set on fire last Friday morning, like around 1.30 a.m. Gonzalez and his family were home at the time, but it was a neighbor that alerted them to the fire. And the neighbor reported hearing an explosion, which is so scary, went out to investigate, saw the car ablaze, once notified Gonzalez tried putting out the fire with a garden hose, which is kind of sad. And Gonzalez, who oversees the Portland Fire and Rescue, said firefighters were able to extinguish, you know, this car before it spread to other buildings. And uh, he was quoted as saying, my neighborhood is filled with both families and seniors, and we must do everything in our power to protect them. Uh, he added, I am grateful that nobody was physically harmed as a result of this incident. 
So immediately, that's really dramatic. So I was like, well, what is this? car look like, you know, geez, it must be so scary. And I went looking for pictures and was expecting to see like a hollowed out car frame, you know, but uh, from the pictures released, it just looked like the gas tank was torched because only mm -hmm. that area and the back end was damaged, still very scary and dangerous. But fortunately, it didn't seem like any of the families or seniors on his block were in immediate danger, you know. Um, the assumption here is that it was politically motivated which is frightening. Uh, County DA Mike Schmidt was quoted as saying, everybody is free to agree or disagree with me, the commissioner, or any public servant or political candidate, but threats, vandalism, arson, violence, or any other form of illegal coercion will not be tolerated. And as of the taping today, there are no suspects or arrests. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, I did see it being bandied around online in like places of dubious authenticity and factuality that like that Rose City counter info had taken responsibility for this. Um, no, uh, they're like a blog that people can submit um, anonymous reports of like direct actions to. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't really see themselves as like a journalistic thing. They're more of like a they're speaking to their community. But uh, as far as I can tell, somebody told them that and then they put it up and not like and they're like this is an anonymous thing which mm -hmm. means you know like that could be somebody who's just like really mad about anti-fascism or or anarchy and so they're just you know taking responsibility but it wasn't it was on that thing but i don't think it's the people who run run that blog you're right and yeah thank you for that clarification i mean but like in in this post they were pointing to like policy positions that Gonzalez has taken as being the reason for it, right? Like they said specifically uh, calling out last year when we had a similar cold snap and that um, when Gonzalez made a point of banning giving out uh, tarps to homeless Portlanders, you know? So like, even if we don't know who did it, whoever this anonymous person is online is sort of tying it into like policy positions that Gonzalez has taken. Like Suzette said, it, it could just be a false flag of some sort. Um, mm -hmm. But I do want to just say out loud, if anyone is like, oh, I hate Gonzalez. This is not the way, like, this is the stupidest, not like, you're playing checkers, my friend, if you think this is the way to get your point across. There's also the other, the other theory that somehow he did it to himself, which is like, come on. <laughs> Somebody saying that? Exactly. Because people are just like, well, this would be the dumbest move politically. Mm -hmm. But it's like, can we just think about extremists for a moment? Like if you're super left or super right, there's a there's a thread of stupidity there that you can't see the two steps in front of you. Mm -hmm. And that's what ends up screwing you every time. And that's why people don't take you seriously, because you're just yeah. like, dude, you're still at the kids table, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like people who maybe are not that fond of Gonzalez's policies are just like, no way it could be any of us. Because that's stupid. <laughs> he must have done it himself. And then, of course, Gonzalez and his people are just like those morons. And I'm, the thing is that, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, they both they both have points is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just think, especially with the year that we're going into, you know, there's a lot of heat in local politics. But holy moly, what we are facing on a national level I think mm -hmm. that, like, it's just seems important to say again and again and again, like, political violence of any type is, like, not okay. Um, what do you think, Suzette? Are you for political violence? You've been very quiet. <sighs> um, I was kind of trying to quickly confirm. I have heard that he is maybe fundraising based on this incident, mm -hmm. which sort of seems that that is, like, 
you know, the opposite of what people want. Um, yeah, Rene Gonzalez is interesting. I went to one of his election uh, parties because I was covering it for the Mercury. And I would say that, like, these were people who really felt very strongly that they should be heard about their concerns. And he made time to talk to them. And I personally probably didn't think that, like, I don't know that any one resident of Portland has like, should have more say than another resident of Portland, but they obviously thought that they did, you know, like these people were like, yeah, my opinion needs to get out there. Whereas, you know, you know, I'm like in the, I would never have a public opinion, my God. But like if in the event that I did, I would wait, I would wait pleasantly in line, you know, like. That is, I just want, I just want to call bullshit on that, but go on, Susan. I mean, I'll have a public opinion about burgers all day. (laughs) Um, in any event. Yeah. I mean, he, it's just like, you know, like at the end of the day, when you meet a lot of different people, even people you don't really like, they're people, they're human. And one of the most unsettling things about humanity is that you can meet a lot of people who you don't agree with and actually get along with them quite well. I don't think, yeah, I don't think firebombing is the strategic answer. And I don't think that just because this guy is representing a population of the city that feels that it is not heard and no one is listening to its immense wealth. Uh, I think that, you know, like maybe we do need to somehow wrap these rich people in like our arms and make them feel safe. I don't know what to do otherwise, but, but it's, you know, it's, these are people that live in the city with us. And I don't know, just like they live in the city with me, I live in the city with them. Claudia, mm-hmm. maybe we aren't talking to enough rich people on this show. <laughs> yeah. No, Suzette, I completely agree with you with, you know, and it's not just, I mean, to be honest, it's not just the wealthy that are supporting Gonzalez. I think that there's a lot of working class people that are also pretty upset with what they're seeing and, and think that reactionary wise that the reason things are happening is because of, you know, certain directions we've took with either policing or, you know, the legality of drugs. There's just a lot of stuff happening right now. And I can totally see why everyone's confused. But the thing that shouldn't happen when everyone's confused is is torching a car. I feel like that if anyone saw um, do the right thing, you would know that the thing that you don't do when everyone's confused and annoyed at each other is burn down a building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also yeah. just, to be honest, astounded that no one caught anything on their ring cameras. Cause I feel like everyone has a ring camera. There's no oh, way he doesn't yeah. live in a neighborhood mm-hmm. that doesn't have ring cameras. And the fact that no one caught anything is really, wow. Like I didn't know you could do anything these days without, without being shown on next door, you know? That's such a good point. I'm not sure that we just don't know yet. It's only been like six or seven days since this happened. Well, I want to find out. I want to find out who did this. Cause no matter, it's like, I can just safely say this. I want to find out which moron did this because no matter like what side you're on, you're a goddamn moron. <laughs> like this is the stupidest fucking move. If it was to bolster support for Gonzalez, idiot. If it was to be like, oh, I hate him, idiot. Like it's just idiots all around. What if it was someone who just hates cars? What if it was like a total coincidence that it was Renee Gonzalez's house? Still an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then there's a brilliant man. <laughs> it's It's interesting. You know, uh, I also live downtown where just, you know, we've been having the Arctic blast. The uh, the big planters that my building put in front to keep people from pitching tents 
are now like, I saw somebody using one as like an oil drum to put garbage in to burn to keep warm. And all that smoke <laughs> came into my window. Wow. And oh, like, no. you know, these are things that you could arguably say Renee Gonzalez contributed to. Like, mm-hmm. couldn't you see denying people warmth as an act of violence? But also, you really can't firebomb politicians. Yeah. If you're feeling that frustrated, what you should do is possibly talk to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And in that, on that turn of events, <laughs> I do want to say that John, stop laughing. This was a perfect transition. Perfect transition. Um, we are planning. <laughs> okay, now I'm actually laughing. <laughs> <laughs> we are planning on creating an advice episode. Suzette, I don't know if we told you this, but we are uh, asking for if you have an issue of any sort, city related or not, it could be personal. We will opine on it. So, yeah, if you want to submit your problem, issue or dilemma, uh, shoot us an email at portland at citycast.fm or leave us a voicemail at 503-208-5448. Well, you guys, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me today and going through some of the stories of the week. Suzette, thanks for sharing yours uh, before it even got published. That was exciting. And yeah, John, as always, I'll see you in five minutes. Sounds good. (laughs) Thanks, Claudia. Thanks for having me. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. Our executive producer is John Atariani. Our producer is Julia Fiaioni. Our newsletter editors this week were Rachel Monahan and Adrian Gonzalez. And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound and All the Kimonos. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs> <laughs>